0: you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan Miller. We're going to be taking care of business in a variety of ways. You know, when we talk about taking care of business, we're talking about... The work that you're doing, whether that is as a traditional employee, maybe you're a freelance person these days, or a temp, or an electronic immigrant, or an entrepreneur. We got all kinds of terms for the work that you do. Any way that you do it, we're going to be talking about taking care of business, what it is that you do that generates income, so you can provide for yourself, your family, and others, hopefully. Hopefully it's not just enough to eke by, but enough that you can then bless other people as well. Each week we take your questions, live questions from you, the listeners, questions that are real life questions about what's going on so we can unpack them together and hopefully all go to higher levels of success together. If you've got a question, you can go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link and you'll see a little option there to submit a question. I'd be happy to consider that for an upcoming show. Well, here's some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Earlier this year, this is Dan. Earlier this year, I quit my high paying job to join my wife in our real estate business. Business has been rocking. It was an awesome switch. Well, cool. We'll talk about that a little bit more. This is a good time. be making changes it's not a time just to hunker down and hope that things get better hey I know now we got all the political players in place well maybe you know maybe maybe not this morning my guys group there's a lot of uh, expectation that there may be a vice presidential candidate switch on the Democratic side before we actually get to the election now that'll be interesting probably not unexpected But um, who knows? So people are saying that maybe we won't have the Obama-Biden ticket that everybody's expecting at this point. There might be a surprise in the forthcoming. So we'll see how that plays out. But be that as it may, we've got to go on. If you're waiting until November for the elections to then make everything right in your life, you're going to be disappointed. It doesn't matter who wins. Things aren't going to change quickly, even if there's the Impetus to change something over a long period of time. I mean, it's like it's more than turning the Titanic, it's like taking a country literally and turning it on its axis. It's going to take a while. So, the real thing that we're going to address here today is what is your world life? What are you doing to make your world better? What are you doing to be the change you want to see in the world? What are you doing to take responsibility for your life, your family, your home? That's what we're going to focus on here. Here's another question. Dan, I'm 41. Haven't had much success with my career. Please advise as to what I should do. Dan, what is causing me to internally hate calling people on the phone? I don't want to feel like this. Dan, how would you advise me to approach my job search when all the companies specify no phone calls or follow-ups and leave me no choice but to wait and see? Hey, we'll have fun tearing that one apart. If you wait and see, you're going to get the crumbs that left are left over from other people. Trust me. Dan, do you have any recommendation for somebody like me who has always been an operations-type person to overcome the feeling of bothering and inconveniencing some inconvenience in somebody when trying to sell? All right. Well, those and more. We're going to talk about, hey, I got a quotation for you today. Actually, I just pulled one out of my new book, Wisdom Meets Passion. I've had people submitting quotations to me left and right that they're pulling out of my new book which is kind of cool to see i mean it's nice to be quoted and people are pulling those together not only family and friends but also people that i don't know who are saying wow here's a selection of quotations that really were important to me but here's one from wisdom meets passion embracing mystery and wonder in life does not mean living in an unrealistic fantasy world waiting for fate or luck to determine your future On the contrary, it means carefully planning to release your strongest gifts, your most unique talents in ways that will bring hope and encouragement to the world in a manner only you can fulfill. Now, I wrote that, so I'll I'll just claim it. But again, embracing mystery and wonder in life does not mean living in an unrealistic fantasy world. Not at all. I mean, I don't want to remove the mystery and wonder from life, the things that are unexplainable either in my theology or in my real life world. I like things that are mysterious that can't be explained. I like looking at things through the eyes of my little granddaughters and seeing them just aghast with wonder at something that can't be easily explained. I like that. I don't want to lose that. Well, if we're tapping into that ourselves, we can still through that release our strongest gifts do things that are extraordinary, live an extraordinary life. That's what we're looking for. Well, Jason from British Columbia says, I took the 48 Days Profile and looked at the careers listed for high C's. None of the careers listed really appeal to me as they require more education than I really want to do. I'm 41 and haven't had much success with my career. Please advise as to what I should do. Now, if, you, if you're familiar with the DISC Profile, D-I-S-C, the D stands for dominance, then I is influencing, S is for steadiness, C is compliance. It just talks about four different personality styles. And briefly, that means if you are a high D, somebody is bold, aggressive, daring, opinionated, high-pressure salesperson, somebody who's on high I, somebody who's outgoing, kind of the cheerleader, backslapping personality, S, steady, loyal, faithful, Doesn't like change. And then C, very analytical, detailed, pays attention just to the facts. Don't bore me with what your thinking or feelings are. Give me the facts. Now, a high C then tends to be pretty conservative, not impulsive. They like to have things that are pretty structured, clearly laid out. And so Jason is saying, none of the careers listed really appeal to me. as they require more education than I really want to do? I resist having careers listed on those, stinking reports for years. I refused to have the careers listed there because people tend to look at the list and try to find their career on that. In as much as we are very individualized, I mean, we're so unique as individuals. I don't want to have to choose a career off a short list, you know, that just pulls from general trends. So view it as such, Jason, don't try to find your perfect career there, but you're going to see things there on a list of high C's like accountant, draftsman, architect, engineer, actuary, bookkeeper. I mean, it it just kind of goes without, uh, you know, it's certainly not unexpected that we were going to see things that require a lot of detail, accuracy in what they do. So that's the kind of career that is likely to be a good fit for you. But don't worry about not finding what it is there or the ones that you're finding there require a lot of education. Just recognize in your workspace, whatever it is that you do. I mean, if you decide you want to, mow lawns you're going to do them so that every blade of grass is the same height you know every fence post has weed eating done around it you're going to do it with a sense of accuracy that a lot of people other other people would miss so that's cool i mean just recognize that's the kind of work environment that's going to fit you best but don't be too concerned about finding a career there all we're talking about is what are the characteristics of the environment that you're going to function best in so Be comfortable in recognizing that whatever you're going to do, you're going to bring that approach, that detailed, accurate approach to it. So choose whatever career you want, recognizing then that you want that kind of a fit to make it work. Okay. This comes from, well, I'll just say this comes from Chuck since it says, please don't use my name. Hi, Dan. I appreciate all you do. I work at a car dealership and just as you said, I look at the overall picture and I can say car sales are profitable over the long term. I'm struggling internally and find myself becoming very anxious and more and more agitated with calling customers, prospects, and already sold clients on the phone. I hate calling lists that my managers give me as I feel I can make more money by waiting for a lot up as that is usually where more of the money is made. What's causing me to internally hate calling people on the phone? I get more annoyed and feel it as a waste of time. Intellectually, I understand you need to call customers and potential prospects, but why would I have such an aversion to it? I don't want to feel like this. Well, it, let me just talk about the car selling business for a little bit because, you know, I, as you know, I, I love the car selling business. I love everything about cars, sold cars years ago. After I had my master's in clinical psychology, I went to, back to selling cars because I love doing it and, and still do. I'm still with cars all the time right now i'm in the hunt for a personal driver i've got a car that joanne really likes and i've got another suv here that i have for my son and his wife when they're home from africa but i'm in the hunt for a personal driver and just not sure what i'm going to get but something will turn my fancy one of these days and i'll snag it in selling cars if you just wait for a lot up as you call it that that means you you just wait for an up is called some What somebody's called who walks onto the lot. So you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, two hours go by, and then somebody comes in, and it's your turn to take them. Usually, that's the way salespeople in a dealership work. It's your turn, you get the next person who walks in the door. You're never going to thrive or survive, do anything financially, if that's what you're depending on. It's too unpredictable, it's too slow. You're never going to knock it out of the park if that's all you're doing. Now, there are people who in using a system like Joe Girard out of Chicago, you know, using a system in taking those ups. And then you turn those people into raving fans where you reward them monetarily for sending you referrals and you do all kinds of creative things. I mean, you can make that system gain some momentum where it really does snowball and get you a lot of customers. But you have to be you can't just be sitting there waiting for the next person that comes in. And especially if you're starting, don't do that. You want to be working prospect list. You want to be calling people. If you don't like calling them on the phone, that's fine. I mean, go go out in a business district and visit everybody in a four-story office building. Tell them what you do. Offer to bring by a car for them to look at. I mean, be creative in what you're doing, but you've got to prospect in some way or you're never going to make it in car sales. I don't know why you hate picking up the phone. I mean, if, if you really believe that the person on the other end has your money in their pocket, you view it differently. I mean, the reason you would not want to pick up the phone and call is the fear of rejection. I mean, that's the biggest concern of most salespeople, the fear of rejection. But you got to get over that. If you're ever going to survive in sales, you have to realize that whatever. I mean, you have to realize, you know, some will, some won't. So what Next. I mean, that's kind of just the mantra of salespeople. Some will, some won't, so what next? You just go on. When I was doing sales, and I've done a lot of outside sales where I go out and contact people, in contacting 15 people, just walking in the door to make a sales presentation, I know I'm not gonna get the decision maker every single time, but my goal was to get, let's say, eight sales presentations per day. Out of those, if I know I close 67%, that's going to give me four to five sales. I mean, I can do well with that. Those no's, all those no's is get me closer to the yeses. I mean, if you are, if you're prospecting to sell cars, if you pick up the phone and call 30 people, you're certainly not going to get 30 people that say, oh my gosh, where have you been? I've been waiting for you. No, you're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get, you know, what's up with you, jerk, you know, calling me during my lunch hour, but you're not likely to have 30 people tell you no. Well, if you know that, and if you know that you can make a thousand bucks on a deal that you close, and you know that you aren't going to get 30 no's in a row, man, that gives you the incentive to grab that phone first thing in the morning. As soon as you get your 30 calls made, you made a thousand bucks. I mean, that's the way I would view it. So for some reason, you have not connected yet a success pattern In making those calls, you're anticipating everybody saying, no, that's not going to happen. I would encourage you to track your numbers so you start getting a sense of how long does it take to get to a yes? How many no's do you have to go through to get to a yes? I mean, if you're going to survive in sales, you've got to see it in that way. And I encourage you to do that. Have fun with it. Golly, selling is an honorable profession. And if you're selling a product that you're proud of at a fair price, then you can hold your head high and do that. You don't need to worry about bothering people. You just, uh, you're finding somebody who really does need what you have. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more. I got a question coming up, I know, and I wanna break down the sales process a little bit more for anybody who's concerned about that. And of course, we're all selling. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're a school teacher or stay-at-home mom, you're selling, so you need to know how to do it well. And I'm gonna tell you the components of effective selling. Okay, this says, um... Dan, I'm a 38-year-old father of four, lucky companion of the most beautiful woman in the world, my wife. Apart from my career frustrations, I have all I could ever ask for, and I feel very blessed. I have an MBA, 10 years experience in sales and account management. I don't feel like sales is my greatest fit for my personality. I'm an SC. Again, we've got an SC on, on the DISC profile, yet I can't seem to break out of the path of least resistance when making job career changes. I've worked for five different companies in similar roles, but always seem to take the grass is greener approach in trying to resolve my discontent. Inevitably though, I end up in the same jobs, feeling the same frustrations. I would really love to explore other career options. I'm drawn to teaching counseling, but fear the education certification required might be too big of an obstacle. I don't know how to do this without abandoning the comfort of my income. My wife says my wife stays at home with our children. I'm the sole source of income. Additionally, How do I really know if I would enjoy those fields as I think I might? Furthermore, how do I judge whether the investment of time and money would be worthwhile or even possible? I know I overanalyze my options and am paralyzed by indecision. I fear that I will wake up one day, 65 years old and realize the opportunity was there all along. I just neglected to seize it. How do I turn my paralysis analysis paralysis into action? Well, you've laid out a common scenario a lot of people justin i appreciate your question but be careful here's the deal if you are an sc on the disc profile you are a careful evaluator you're not somebody to just jump and do something impulsively you want a lot of facts and information before you make decisions now recognize also that anything we have as a strength, and that would be a strength. If you're going to be my bookkeeper, accountant or architect, I want you to have those characteristics. I don't want you just to go out here and be slap happy and just get it done. No, I want you to be absolutely meticulous about the details that need attention. But recognize anything we have as a strength, if overused, will work against us. In your case, Being careful, methodical, wanting a lot of facts and information can get you into what you accurately call analysis paralysis, where you just keep gathering information. You never pull the trigger. It's ready. Aim, 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 aim. You need to get to fire. Recognize that about yourself. Give yourself some timelines on making these decisions where you are going to gather the information, but then you are going to act. Look at what new options would be for you recognize that even though things are going okay, you kind of gravitate to the back, to set back to the same position again. So identify what would the ideal be? What would an ideal day look like for you? And then see if you can create a plan to get you there. What would have to happen for that day to come into view? So yeah, don't think that all of a sudden you're going to wake up and think, wow, opportunity was right here all along and I didn't seize it be willing to grab it, be willing to try something new. You can, you can do this in ways other than jeopardizing your career. I mean, read two books that you otherwise would not pick up, drive a different way to work, you know, go on vacation someplace you've never been before, push yourself to test things that you've not done before. And you'll find that that opens the door for you to consider even options in your career. Great question. Well, let's see, let me just get in a transition here. Just to remind you, you're listening to Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show, where each week we take questions from you, the listeners, questions about life, work, fulfillment, purpose, calling, doing things that are meaningful, how we can break those down and be more successful together. I welcome your questions. If you got a question, go to the 48days.com website. Just click on the podcast link, submit your question there. This comes from Dustin. Topeka, Kansas. Dan, I just read your read about your project for Wisdom Meets Passion on Indiegogo. I have to ask with all the popularity that places like Kickstarter have, what were a few of your deciding factors for choosing this over the more popular Kickstarter website? Thanks. Well, as some of you may know and if you if you want to check this out, I'd welcome you to go check it out. We have a project up on Indiegogo that is a introduction to the wisdom meets passion book. And in that, the way this is structured, you've heard me talk about other Kickstarter projects and things that I've done on Kiva, multiple ways of kind of unique crowdfunding, crowdsourcing these days out there in Indiegogo. What we're doing is offering some packages for wisdom meets passion that we won't offer in other ways where you can get, you know, four copies of the book, You know, one for yourself, three to give out as friends. You can get an Ubuntu medallion. You can get an opportunity to come here to the sanctuary and stay overnight and go to dinner with Joanne and me. Uh, You can um, choose a package that has a coaching package in there by either me or Jared, my son, who co-authored the book with me. So we're doing some fun things. Now, this is an experiment for us. We're having a lot of fun with it. We had a team that approached us, said, well, we'd like to put this together because we're teaching people how to do this well. So they're handling a lot of the details and we're appreciative of that. So it's an experiment for us. With Kickstarter, now let me just describe a couple different ways here that people get money. I talk about Kiva, K-I-V-A. It's something where I've been involved in as a donor lender. And, And here's how it works. I mean, not too long ago, there was a guy, I think, in Ecuador who was trying to complete his tool set so he could be in business as an auto mechanic. I think I donated. Well, no, it's not not a donation. It's a lending. I think I loaned that guy $50 to complete his tool set. And then he paid it back like a dollar and thirty-four cents a month, you know, over a period of time. It's really amazing to watch people make these tiny, tiny repayments and ultimately repay it in full, which they almost always do. I just got a notice yesterday that I've got a significant amount of money sitting there in Kiva in my account. And what I do is I just go back in and have fun again, finding new people who need a little hand up and, you know, give loan them the money in that program. So that's one thing. Now Kickstarter is really a little bit different. Kickstarter is for people who say, Hey, I'm doing this documentary. I mean, there was one done recently, Adam Baker and some other guys did one on a documentary on people living mediocre lives. It's titled, I'm fine. Thanks. And they wanted to raise a hundred thousand dollars. So to do the documentary, well, it's just a fun kind of project to be involved in people who put money in partner with them, not expecting them to be you know, a part—they're not going to be a part of your business. They're not going to get a percentage of return. As if the movie does well, it's not that kind of thing at all. But you get different kind of packages. In that case, they'll give you a DVD of the documentary, have your name listed on the credits. I think I did it in a way on that one. a donated to that project where I would actually have my name listed in the credits. You know, as the movie rolls, and then you get a DVD. So it's things like that. But. The, There are people who are doing all kinds of unique projects. Somebody inventing a new hula hoop and they can go on there. People think it's a cool idea and they put money in. Indiegogo is very similar to that. Now, in terms of your question, why we chose Indiegogo instead of Kickstarter, we actually chose Kickstarter. We went on Kickstarter and they rejected us. They rejected us twice. And apparently, we never really got a clear answer on it, although it's fairly common. We now discover in retrospect, but apparently it's because it's more of a self-help kind of thing, especially the fact that I have offered in there, you know, personal coaching and all of that. They don't like that kind of thing on Kickstarter. They really want it to be like for a product that's going to stand alone. And so it's a little bit different for whatever reason they rejected. Well, there's a whole lot of other options out there. Indiegogo is really, Probably better known in other countries than Kickstarter is. So it's very, very large. So we just simply put it on Indiegogo. It's very similar, but that's the reason. Yeah, we did go with Kickstarter initially. You hear me talk about Kickstarter a lot, but then we ended up in Indiegogo. So yeah, go check it out. I'd love to get your input, get your comments there. You can see a little video that Jared and I have done together. And that project runs for as i'm speaking here another 16 days it runs through the 31st of august so whenever you're listening to this if it's prior to the 31st of august you can jump on indiegogo do a search for wisdom meets passion and you can see how we structured that project and that's what we're doing it's an experiment on our part I mean, the book is published by thomas nelson obviously i don't need to raise funds to publish the book but it's just a way to involve people in a creative way and that's really what i was looking for how can we engage with our readers in a different way thanks for your question rachel from north carolina says i'm working my way through 48 days while immersed in a job search and it's fueling my fire to keep pushing toward the right fit now listen to this this is we've got a good variety in today's questions about entrepreneurial kind of things and traditional work things this is a traditional work thing Okay, again, Rachel says I'm working my way through 48 days while immersed in a job search and it's fueling my fire to keep pushing toward the right fit. While I understand the advice in chapter six and seven regarding resumes, cover letters, interviews, and general first impressions, the terrain of the job market seems to have evolved. And I feel very restricted. All of the positions I have applied for nonprofit managerial positions Require email or online submission of cover letters, resume only, specify no phone calls or follow-ups, and require either a salary history or salary expectation in the cover letter. How would you advise me to approach such specifics which seem to put so much emphasis on a few emailed Word documents and leave me no choice but for me to wait and see? Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Please, if you're working through 48 days, you'll see that there is no wait and see option. You do not wait and see. I mean, I hope I make it very clear in 48 days to the work you love. If you wait and see, you're going to get nothing but the leftover crumbs of those who were more aggressive in the job search process. You do not wait and see. Now, here's the deal. Why do companies put in there? Email resume only. Don't contact us. Don't phone call us. Well, it just controls the process on their end. You know, they don't want to have to deal with 300 people. So this keeps the cards in their hand, so to speak. But what does it also do? That also puts you in the same category as the 300 of those people who are responding. How are you going to stand out? Yeah, it's a challenge to make yourself sound remarkable, to let them know you're an extraordinary person when all they're looking at is a few printed words on a piece of paper, as you're implying. So you don't want to do that. You want to show up. You want to call. You want to FedEx some flowers. You want to get their attention. You want to be the person they think of every time this position comes to mind in their conversation. You're the person they think about. You don't do that by just obeying all the rules. I hate to phrase it in that way, but this is, this is a time. I mean, you hear me talk about, you know, if you just color inside the lines, you're just going to have a normal, ordinary kind of life. This is a time to let them know you're a different kind of person. Now think about it. You want a managerial position, a managerial position implies somebody who takes charge, who leads, directs, makes things happen. And now you're saying that you're just going to submit your resume online and wait and see if you were a candidate for a position that I was promoting as a manager, I wouldn't give you the second chance. I wouldn't give you the thought a day. I I would not give you five minutes of my time. If that's all you did, I want somebody who proves themselves to be a manager. I mean, I've got a, a friend who, screens for salespeople here in nashville ongoing process for him but here's how it may unfold so rachel you come in on a friday he says boy you're a really good candidate i like your background i think you'll be a good fit here i'll tell you what give me call on monday and we'll work out the next steps geez you go home over the weekend you tell everybody Golly, this guy really likes me i know i've got it in the bag it's going to be a blast working there monday you call gee no answer You leave a message no callback tuesday you call no answer you leave a message no callback what do you start to think you start to think oh man he talked to somebody like better they got the job i did okay i'm back in the job search and you go on well if you do that you just lost your opportunity because he purposely ignores the first two callbacks even after he sets it up in that way hey just give me a call we'll work out the details He purposely ignores the first two callbacks because he wants to know, is this candidate really a salesperson or are they not? Are they just a job seeker? In your description, you're just a job seeker. You just want a job if somebody begs you to come to work for them. That's not the kind of person that gets a managerial position. So you need to ignore their saying that. Are are they going to slap your hands? No, they're going to recognize, wow, this really is somebody who's a good candidate for this. Trust me, you you can't just do these little mamby-pamby things and think that you're going to get an exciting kind of position. You need to show up, call people who are on the board, talk to people who are already working there, go to the parking lot, talk to people as they come out, ask them things about the, the company that would give you more information. Again, FedEx or overnight something to the decision makers and say, boy, here's another thing I thought of You know, since our interview, keep yourself in the top of mind position. That's how you get great positions. Mark, you know, sometimes I wish, uh, sometimes I'm tempted just to jump out here in the job market because it's so easy to make yourself stand apart. Now, I can't do that because it would be deceptive in some way to put myself out there as a candidate when there's no way in the world I'm going to actually you know, carry through, but it's so easy to get yourself top of mind positioning. I mean, I see people and coach people all the time, how to do things that get your, that gets the attention of a company that you want to work with. And that's going to get you more response than just a playing by playing by the rules. Mark from uh, Minnesota says, Dan, I'm curious if the voiceover artist you use at the beginning of, of your podcast is the same Dave Ramsey uses I've always had an interest in voiceover acting and I've read a number of books on it which gave me a little ear for it recognizing who they are from commercials and so on thanks for all you do and helping me find your find me discover my passion now the beginning of my show here we go all right you're going to hear a voice here do you love your work? There you Do you go. think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's now time for 48 days to the work you love with Dan Miller. Somebody rec- days recognizes days that voice. Show. Whether you need a professional tuner, that voice. Overhaul, this is the program
1: for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hi.
0: <laughs> that voice is in fact Bob Burquez. Bob has been a part of the Dave Ramsey team for I don't know 16, 17 years. I just saw him the other day when I did. Depot for the Ramsey organization, and, and in fact, he told me then. He says, "Dan, we need to update the intro that I did for your show." But yeah, that's Bob Borquez, and the same guy who intros Dave's show got that great voice, and I love using him. I've used him for a lot of things. Now you also hear. Now you'll hear on here. Um, let me do this. Now, we've been talking about profiles. This is a good one to interject. This is somebody else. You hear me talk a lot about who does voiceovers. Hi,
1: this is Pierce Mars, sales coach and 48 days disc certified instructor. The best selling product through 48 days is their personality profiles. With three options to choose from, it gives great insight, not only into your own personality style, but understanding how family, friends, and colleagues tick as well. As a sales coach, I use these with all my personal clients and also utilize these reports to speak to companies about sales strategies and better communication. Go to the 48-Day Store and look for the DISC profiles. You'll find bulk discount rates to use these with your clients, company, church, and you can customize them to fit exactly what you need. It's helped my business, and I'm sure it will help yours.
0: All right. Another guy who does voiceovers. Now, Pierce does a lot of voiceovers. He does the introduction for Andy Andrews' podcast and uh countless others i don't know what a, he does a show based on the shark tank so he's got that great voice and i love to have him do spots for me he's done a bunch of them for us now back to your question mark incidentally i went to your bog. blog site views from the outhouse I I was so intrigued by the name I had to go there views from the outhouse what a great name anyway commented on one of your blogs yeah I love your blog and what you're doing there your question though about doing voiceovers you've always had an interest in voiceover acting here's the deal I've had a lot of great voices Bob Borquez, Pierce Mars and I've had a lot of great voices do voiceover work for me I've never paid a penny and I and I hope that um it's not because I'm some cheapskate. It really isn't. It's just because that kind of talent is so easy to find. It's pretty tough to just do voiceovers and be compensated for it. It's too easy to find. I mean, we're, we're in a city here. I mean, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, there's so many people who are talented in so many different ways. And the talent by itself is really easy to find. I mean, it's like like, um, having a great voice, and so you decide to do a radio show. Well, you do a radio show. I mean, the radio station considers your talent worth very little. I mean, just be realistic about it. All they're concerned about is will your content sell advertising around it? So if you're Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or Dave Ramsey or whatever, the concern is not, are you a real talented guy? Do you have a really, you know, engaging voice? It's, will your content, your presentation, sell advertising. That's what they're looking for. So there has to be some kind of direct connection through to, okay, what is this going to do in terms of Mm -hmm. generating advertising dollars or somehow increasing revenue? And I just don't find people who are paying big bucks for people to do voiceover. And I could, I could come up with a list of 30 people right now who would give their right arm to do voiceovers uh, even on my podcast here or for product introductions that we're doing and so on. And again, I, I certainly don't want to imply that I just take advantage of people who are talented. This is a dicey kind of thing, but It's too easy to get. I don't know where to send you, where you're going to be paid for doing great voiceover work. Now, I know a lady here in town who survives on doing that, but she does commercial accounts. Like if you, you know, if you have a sprint phone and you have a message that tells you you've got messages waiting or something or, or, or on hold messaging, you often will hear Connie's voice. And she survives doing that, but it's not a real lucrative kind of opportunity. She just has a lot of connections been doing it a long time. And so she's able to, to make a living doing that. But man, it's tough. I'm maybe I'm just not the right person to talk to about that, but I don't know how to encourage you to turn your great voice into reasonable income. Well, Jared from Sioux Falls says, I have a passion for technology and can usually master almost any software tool I use. I also have a passion for teaching after listening to all of your podcasts over the last two months, I decided to launch a website called teachsuefalls.com. The concept is to provide online training of professional and personal tech training online. The site and contents comes very easily to me. However, the hard part is sales. Do you have any recommendation for someone like me who has always been an operations type person to overcome the feeling of bothering or inconveniencing somebody when trying to sell? Listening to your podcast is something I look forward to every week. Thanks for the positive message and motivation you provide. Well, thanks for your question, Jared. Here's the deal. Again, if if you feel like you are bothering people, inconveniencing them, you don't have enough belief in what it is you're presenting. I mean, you have to, I mean, truly professional selling is simply sharing enthusiasm. If you go to a great movie and you tell 20 of your friends, that's selling. You eat at a fine restaurant and you tell 30 people next week, that's selling. You're sharing enthusiasm. That's the feeling you want to have about anything that you're selling. You're so excited about it. You want your next door neighbor and your cousin to have it because it's so great. that They ought to have it. Anything less than that, you're going to move toward the old days of manipulation and conning people into something they don't want to need. And you aren't sure that you would even take advantage of it, of it either. No, that's not selling. You want to be so excited about what it is you have that you just can't contain the message about it. Now that being said, let me talk to you a little bit about selling. Incidentally, I went to your website. Your website is very matter of fact, right to the point, just register and pay. That's going to be tough in an online presence. You have to give more information and build relationships. I mean, go to, go to my website. You'll have to figure out how to give me money because there's so much free content there. There's so much free content that you can get and you can link to resources all day long and listen to podcasts and read articles and get help on specific kind of questions that you've got. You can go to the 48days.net group, ask questions there, and have some of the brightest minds in the world you know, give you specific answers to that and help you through the process, all for nothing. Now, we also sell a lot of product. There's no secret about that. I love selling product, and we, we know, you know pretty well how to do that. We sell lots of product. But here's the sales process, and you need to understand this, and again, you need to understand this if you're selling online training courses, or if you're selling cars, or if you're selling furniture, jewelry, real estate, or if you're a teacher, pastor, mama, you're, we all are selling. But here's the selling process. There are four components. Forty percent of the process is developing rapport and trust. If people don't trust you, it doesn't matter if you've got $10 bills for eight bucks, they aren't going to buy. They have to trust you. So develop rapport and trust. Now that can take place in a very short period of time and it can be done online. Online, things are softened a lot if you have audio or video there. You know, a lot of times I'm amazed to go to sites and there's no picture of the person, it's just the product. Nah, people don't just buy product, they buy people. They connect with people, they relate to people. So 40% is developing rapport and trust. 30% is identifying the need. If a person does not need what you have, don't go any further. There's no reason to make a sales presentation if they don't have a need. So even in the things that we present online or certainly in person, we want to identify, is there a need? If you're totally happy, you're living your dream job, you're making more money than you ever imagined possible, and chances are you're going to be very motivated toward the materials we've got on 48 days.net however if you hate your job you're frustrated you feel like you still have not really lived out your dream you feel like there's more there somewhere you haven't tapped into yeah we got all kinds of resources to help you release the very best that you have so that's identify a need so 40 percent rapport and trust 30 percent identify a need 20 percent then is the product presentation all right what is it that you have? So then you get to that, but we've got 70% that precedes the product presentation. And frankly, in, in your website here, you go right to the product presentation. This is like, now let me give you the last part. So 20% is product presentation. 10% then is what we call gaining commitment. I used to call that closing, but it sounds like a sales term. And my friend Pierce Mars, who is a sales coach, calls it gaining commitment, which I love. I love the softening of that gaining commitment. But here's the deal. If I walk into the car lot over here and I need a little forward focus for my daughter to drive back and forth to college campus, the salesman comes waltzing out, grabs me, takes me right over to a 745 BMW. And he says, man, you're going to love this car. I mean, this thing is, has the coolest sound system you ever heard. Open a sunroof, You can cruise at 116 miles an hour. Your payments are going to be $587 a month. That's where I feel pressure because he hasn't developed rapport and trust and he hasn't identified my need. That's where you feel pressure. But if he's gone through those things, then gaining commitment is simply a simple matter of filling out the paperwork. So in your, on your site, in order to sell online training programs, you've got to do a whole lot more to develop rapport and trust and allow a person to identify their need. You've gone to right to the 20% portion of the sales process, which is just product presentation. And I don't think that'll ever give you enough traction to do anything significant there. Hey, you're listening to Dan Meller and the 48 days online radio show where each week I take your questions. Questions about real life situations and work, life, finding purpose, calling, doing things that are significant, changing the world, and we unpack them here together. Talk through them so that we can figure out how to do this thing called work and life more effectively. If you got a question, just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You'll see an opportunity there to submit your question and be delighted to consider that for an upcoming show. John from Arkansas says, I'm right out of of college, 15 years ago, I pursued a programming job that was short-lived. I got into part-time junior college teaching after a year and a half of resumes and job interviews. That first job was the only corporate job or any job I had had to that point. At the recommendation of a job coach and reading your 48 days to the work you love materials, four years ago, I did not list that failed corporate job for the first time in years on a resume. I got into full-time teaching shortly thereafter. I got a new boss two years ago. This boss may not know about my previous corporate job. There have been times this person has made remarks about some of us lacking corporate experience. I find this hurtful. Other jobs want corporate experience. I'm thinking I'm looking for a different job. Enjoy your show. Well, the fact that you had something back in antiquity, years ago that you don't have in your resume perfectly fine. But now you're saying that this guy's making hurtful comments. Well, again, if this is a job that you really enjoy and seems to be a good fit, you're compensated. Well, I don't think there's enough. That's enough reason to do anything. Um, you, there's always going to be some little thorn in your side. If you're working in a job, just comes with the territory. If you are totally unsatisfied then certainly you know do a job search and move on but from what you're saying here i think you're in a good place i would encourage you just to stay there that's not enough motivation to, to have to look for something else well michelle from Provo, utah says then i made the leap into my dream gig i left the corporate world and in an embarking out on my own but now that i have the fear has struck I find myself uncertain, insecure, panicky about leaving a perfectly good career. Worse yet, the quote perfectly good career has come knocking again, offering bigger and better career opportunities. I hate being owned, but after reading John Akef's quitter, I wonder if my panic is due to lack of planning. Help, much respect, admiration, goodwill, Michelle. Thanks for your question, Michelle. You know, this is not a, black and white kind of choice if you work for a corporation or you decide to do something on your own that's a soft line you can go back and forth on that many times during a very successful career it's not a matter of gee you went on your on in your own but now you realize how much of what's required in being on your own is administration managing people dealing with sign permits and workmen's comp and government regulations you know, the, the bookkeeping is just overwhelming. So you know what, you're going to go back and work in a corporate position where all you have to do is just focus on what it is that you do. Well, that's perfectly legitimate. I don't criticize people for doing that. I don't try to talk everybody into being an entrepreneur in this situation. You had a perfectly good career. Now you've launched that on your own and you're second guessing yourself. Here's what I would, how I would frame this. Give yourself a year, Don't just jump back and forth. You will really, you'll just get yourself trapped in continuing indecision. Give yourself a year to pursue what it is that you're doing, knowing that you do have the option to go back. People want you. Obviously you're getting job offers. That's cool. What a wonderful position to be in. Now going from being employed to being working on your own, having your own business, you should theoretically be able to make a lot more money. Now, just think about it for a minute. If you're a graphic designer and you're getting $20 an hour as part of a full-time salary, so you're making $800 a week, I mean, that would not be uncommon. If you go out on your own, you ought to be at $60 or $70 an hour as a graphic designer. So theoretically, you can increase your income. Now, we know that you aren't going to bill for 40 hours a week. You're going to bill for 20 or 25 so because the rest of the time is going to be spent with marketing, communicating with potential customers, all those kind of things. So it's not just you're, you increase your hourly rate and now you're billing at 40 hours a week and you double and triple your income. No, there are other things that come along. So if you decide you like the corporate environment, don't beat yourself up about that. I mean, just stick with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all.
1: Hey, I'm Pierce Mars, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the upcoming Wisdom Meets Passion cruise. One of my favorite things about the cruises have been the connections I've made. So many new friends and associates. There is no better way to relax and enjoy business at the same time. Our first year on the cruise, we met some wonderful people. Our second year, I was a speaker. And this year, I'm looking forward to speaking with you about Wisdom Meets Passion, the theme of Dan's upcoming book. Join us in February on the new ship Celebrity Reflection, traveling to San Juan, St. Martin, and my favorite, St. Thomas. To book your cruise, go to 48days.com.
0: Well, there you go. Another example of that voiceover that I love to use. Yeah, hey, we'd love to see you on the Wisdom Eats Passion Cruise. I went into a couple of people this week who said uh, they're going to be there, and we just confirmed our speakers for that. We'll have some information up about that coming up really quickly. We've got some really neat Speakers are going to be sharing on the Wisdom Meets Passion Crew. So I'd love to see you join us for that. Well, the time has gone quickly. Thanks for your questions. Being connected. Check out the 48days.net community, a growing group of people who really are figuring this all out together, having a lot of fun. Whatever you're doing, we wish you success as you continue to find or create work that is meaningful, fulfilling, productive, and profitable.